Morning. Morning. Oh, I got a name. Um, yeah, my name is Peter Brown. I'm an intern here, work with the high school students. Yeah. You guys are great. Um, and uh, yeah, you may be used to seeing me doing goofy things on stage with guys like that. Um, but uh, I get to be here in a bit more serious context to bring a passage of God's word that I love and talk about a topic that I love. Um, yeah, I'm especially excited because I got to choose my topic this morning, which means I got to choose to talk about one of the things that I care about most in life that has changed me and continues to change my life. Um, and I can't wait to share about that topic with you guys. But first, I'm going to make you work for it. I'm not just going to tell you the topic. Sorry, Drew, you're going to have to work for it. I'm going to give you three images. I'm going to describe them to you. And I want you to think what one keyword describes these three images. That keyword will be the topic we'll be talking about this morning. So here are the images. Visualize. Enter into these with me. Picture about 13 middle-aged women stretched out in very odd positions on colorful mats under a shady tree in a park. They're breathing together in sync. Image one. Image two. Picture later in the evening, actually at night, under the street lights, a man walks along the sidewalk, stroking his beard, kind of staring off into the distance, eyes wandering, never really focusing on anything. Silent. Image three. Picture a short, bald man in orange robes. He's sitting on a wood-paneled floor, legs crossed, eyes closed, hands in his lap. What one key word do you think describes what's going on in all of these images? Yes, meditation. That is correct. So I think those three images describe the various forms of an increasingly popular um, way of doing stuff, or a thing to do, um, called meditation. That's going to be our topic this morning, and we're going to be narrowing more specifically on the command in Scripture that most has to do with meditation. Because there's tons of things we could say, I'm sure, about the idea of meditation, what it means in our culture, and how to relate to that biblically. But we're going to focus on one command that, direct, that most directly addresses the idea of meditation. And that command is to meditate on Scripture. But in a world where meditation can mean so many different things, it's super important for us to try to ask the question and understand what does the Bible mean when it says that we are to meditate on Scripture? What does God want us to do when he tells us to be people, to be a church, that meditates on his word. So that's the first question, the main question we'll be asking this morning. And the second question we'll be asking is why? Why does God want us to meditate on scripture? Or another way of saying that is, what are the effects or the benefits of scripture meditation? 
And to find the answer to those two key questions, we're going to look at two metaphors or images that are going to give us insight. To understand what it means to meditate on Scripture, we're going to look at the metaphor of friendship with the Bible. And to understand what or why God wants us to meditate, what the benefits are of meditating on Scripture, we're going to look at the image of a tree. And with those, the help of those two images, we're going to hear God. It's my hope that we will hear God calling to us today to meditate on Scripture by making the Bible our friend. God's going to call out to us and say, do you want these benefits that I'm going to list out in this passage? If you do, then come, make the Bible your friend. But to understand what all of that means and how that relates to our lives, let's look in the book of Psalms, chapter 1. That'll be our main text this morning. Psalm chapter 1. And as you turn there, remember that the first question we're going to be asking is what does it mean to meditate on Scripture. And real quickly, let me just ask God once more to speak to us. Father, please, as we open your word, yeah, we really just long for you, God, to open our hearts and our eyes so we can receive from your word. Help us. Amen. Psalm chapter 1 is going to paint for us a picture to describe two different lifestyles. The lifestyle of the wicked person the lifestyle of the righteous person. This key contrast will help us understand what it means to meditate on Scripture. Because we see the main difference between the righteous person and the wicked person in this passage is what influences them. The wicked person sets himself up to be influenced by bad friends, by other wicked people, and he does this by spending time with them. The righteous person, she sets herself up to be influenced by God's word. And she does this by meditating. That key contrast is going to give us an understanding or an idea of what it means to meditate on scripture. So let's read with me just verse one to see the path of the wicked person that the psalmist warns us against. Blessed is the man who stays away from this path he's about to describe. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is the man who doesn't spend time with bad influences. That's what characterizes the life of a, of a wicked person in this passage. They set themselves up to be influenced by bad friends, by spending time with them. I think we see a progression in that passage, a progression of becoming increasingly close with someone. So you notice, it starts out by saying walks, then stands, then sits. Interesting, those same three key words from our Ephesians series, but we're going to set that aside for this moment because that doesn't relate uh, to us this morning. All right, they're going to have a different meaning. But we see that progression and that's kind of how friendship works, right? You start by walking alongside someone because you happen to share the same class together, because you happen to be walking away from the game that, that your kids both are, are playing in, You're walking away from that meeting that you had together, casually say a word, greeting. Pretty soon, you're standing together after class in the halls, in the workroom, on the sidelines, 
starting to talk about how your weekend was. And then in time, as that friendship develops, you're sitting with each other over lunch or in each other's homes. You become a close friend because you spent time with them. That's the path that Psalm 1 is warning us against. It's warning us against becoming close friends with wicked people by spending a lot of time with them. Because that'll influence us. But then, verse 2 gives us the contrasting or the, or the parallel path for the righteous person. And now before we read that, don't be looking at your Bibles like that. Before we read that, we're, let's ask this question. Let's stop and say, what would we expect to come next? If the way to live a wicked life is to hang out with wicked people, what would we expect the way to, to living a righteous life would be? Making friends with righteous people, right? Isn't that what we're waiting for? So let's keep that in our mind when you read what we see in verse 2. But his delight, what he loves, what he spends time with, is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates, he spends time with, day and night. You see that contrast, that parallel? I think that sets us up to get a definition of what, it, what he means by that word meditate there. If to be a wicked person means to become friends with wicked people, then to be a righteous person means to meditate on or become friends with the Bible. So I think we can define what Psalm 1 means by meditating on Scripture in this way. To meditate on Scripture means to spend time with it until our lives are influenced. Just like the way it works with hanging out with bad influences. It's just like friendship. We spend time with God's Word until it starts to rub off on us. Until we start to think and act and feel the way God's Word teaches us to feel. It's our friend that we, we spend time with all throughout our life. And then we're influenced. And that's God's call for us this morning to meditate on Scripture or, in other words, to make the Bible our friend. To spend time being influenced by Scripture just like we would with a friend. But what does that look like or how do we do that? Well, let's see the model for friendship presented to us in verse 1 and see how that would apply to our friendship with the Bible. So the wicked person, he spends time with other wicked people by walking with them, by standing with them, and by sitting with them, interacting with them in different contexts. I think the same is true in our friendship with the Bible. To become friends with the Bible means we will walk with the Bible, stand with the Bible, and sit with the Bible all throughout our life. We're actually going to take those in reverse order because I think when we, when we think about friendship with the Bible, it, it works kind of the opposite way. The foundation of our friendship with the Bible comes by sitting with the Bible, by having quality one-on-one -on -one time with God's Word. We sit with the Bible. When we give our full attention to Scripture for an extended period of time, it's what we're doing right now. We're sitting with the Bible. I acknowledge you're all sitting, I'm standing. But for the sake of this image, right now, 
we're all sitting with Scripture. We're giving it our full attention for an extended period of time. We sit with Scripture when we go to an adult Bible class or to a life group and have a discussion and soak in it. Or I think most formatively in the long run, we sit with Scripture when we carve out time to go into the backyard, to our favorite chair, to go in that quiet room upstairs, open up Scripture alone, have that one-on-one time with it. We sit with Scripture, either in groups or one-on-one by giving it our full attention for extended periods of time. That's what lays the foundation for our friendship. And that has to lay the foundation for our friendship. That's the only way we can actually get to know Scripture well enough to stand with it and walk with it, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I, I really mean this. When I think that sitting with Scripture, or that befriending Scripture, starting with that daily sitting with it, is maybe the most important decision we can ever make that will influence our lives more than anything else. Maybe who you marry, maybe. I've been married, so maybe easy for me to say. But yeah, it may be the friends you choose. But, but even in this passage, the one thing he mentions is not the friends you choose, but it's whether you make scripture your friend. That will so influence who we choose to marry. That will so influence how we interact with the people closest to us. That will change everything about our lives if we let the Bible become our dear closest friend. And that all starts with sitting with scripture. but I've tried. And I can never follow through. I made a resolve. Yeah, I heard a sermon like that. I was going to do it. I was going to try. Then I didn't know where to start. Got distracted. I just don't have time. Maybe these are excuses, but I just don't feel like I can do it. I wonder if any of those thoughts feel familiar or if that's what comes up in some of us when we hear a message about spending time with the Bible. Because we all know that's something we should do. But I imagine there's some discouragement. That just feels really hard to actually do. And I wish I could take that all away. I know I can't. God can, and he might in this moment. He really might. I pray that he does. But what I can do is give one truth from Scripture that I really think can go so far in this battle to spend time with Scripture daily, and then six practical tips that have been helpful in my life and the lives of people I know, and pray and ask and plead with the Holy Spirit, even as we're here in this room, yeah, let's plead with the Holy Spirit as we listen, as I talk, that he would use this truth and and these tips to open our hearts to empower us to actually be people who sit regularly with Scripture. Because he can. So that truth that I think can really change everything is in 1 John 5. That's the one other passage we're going to turn to. Keep your finger or piece of paper or something in in Psalm 1. But we're going to turn to 1 John 5 to find one truth that might meet us where we're at for, for those of us in this room who feel discouraged in our journey with Scripture. We feel like we're losing hope in our battle to be friends with the Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is what we're going to read together. We're going to find one truth that might encourage us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 
And this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward God, that if we ask anything according to the will of God, we know that he, that we have the request. Oh, pardon me. We know, pardon me. I'm going to start that again. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If we ask him anything according to his will, we know he will hear us. Yeah, Redemption Hill Church, is it God's will for us that we would spend time regularly in the Bible? Yes, we know from God's word from Psalm 1, he's calling us to do that. And if that's God's will, and if we ask him faithfully to help us, he will help us. We have a promise we can bank on that if we faithfully give ourselves in prayer and plead with God and say, God, I can't do it. I always fall short, but help me. Help me make your word a regular part of my life. If we plead with God and don't give up in our our prayers, he will show up and he will strengthen us. And all we need to do is ask and do our best in faith that he will show up and strengthen us to follow through. That's the truth that I think can really change so much of our lives, but maybe particularly in this area of faithfulness with the Bible. That's why Jesus says so bluntly in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you because God loves giving us the things that are best for us and spending time befriending the Bible by sitting with it every day has to be one of the things that's best for us. God will love to strengthen us to do that, to make that a regular part of our life. So that's the practice, or that's the truth Let me move to six practical tips. If you want to take notes, this might be a helpful time to jot down a couple practical things that have been helpful for me. First one is pick a time. Sitting with scripture won't just happen unless you schedule when it's going to happen. It won't just sneak into your day. But if you choose a time, for me, I like the first thing in the morning. Some people like in the evening. Maybe for you, it's over lunch. First thing after work. If you pick a time, it's so much easier to make that a habit in your life. Pick a place, number two. Pick a place. Then you don't have to worry in that moment, where am I going to go? You have it decided in advance. This is my special place to be with God in. And it can become a special place as we give ourselves to sitting with Scripture in a place we pick in advance. Third thing is pick a plan. I think structure is so helpful and making disciplines. And that way we can also know my job, my goal today is just to read and be faithful. I don't have to make some magical encounter with the Bible. I don't have to make my heart transformed in this moment. All I need to do is look at my plan, see what it says, read that, ask God to speak to me. And I know I can be faithfully working toward friendship with the Bible. Pick a plan, type Bible reading plans on Google. You will find things so quickly, so many options. Fourth, Pick a friend. Pick someone else who you know who wants to make reading the Bible a regular part of their life. Someone who can keep you accountable, who you can keep accountable. Someone who you can share. Someone with whom you can share what you're getting out. Share your joy. Reinforce what you're learning by sharing what you learned that morning and that afternoon. Pick a friend. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced. One of the best moments that ever happened to me was when my friend Hudson in high school came up to me and asked me, you want to read this Bible reading plan with me? Changed my life. To be regularly reading scripture with a friend, to have someone to talk to about it. 
and regularly reading scripture and talking to friends about it continues to change my life, change the lives of the people I, I know and trust the most. Pick a friend, someone you can do it with. Number five, not as fun as number four, but maybe just as powerful, is pick a sacrifice. We all have the same amount of time in our day, and if we add 20 minutes, an hour of being with Scripture each day, that means 20 minutes or an hour doing something else, or of not doing something else. So we might as well be honest about that and plan in advance. And isn't that how we grow to love things? Don't we grow to love things by sacrificing for them? Isn't that one reason why we're so devoted to the sports we play or our instruments because we've sacrificed so much time, so many other things we could have been doing to devote ourselves to that thing? Isn't that one reason why we love our family so much because we sacrifice so much to be with them, to be there for them? And do you want to grow in, in friendship with Scripture? Then pick something we can sacrifice for it. More specifically, more practically, probably what I mean is pick something in your day that you say, I will sacrifice this until I've read Scripture. I will not spend time doing this other thing I love until I've spent time with the God I, I want to grow to love more. For me, one thing I've had to sacrifice until I've spent time with the Bible has been going on my phone or going on social media. I won't let myself do that until I've spent time with the Bible, or in times I have, because I knew my heart, and I knew, man, if I don't, I'm just going to get distracted. I'm not going to follow through. So what's something in your life that you would be willing to sacrifice so you could become a better friend with the Bible, to sacrifice until you've spent time with God? Then you can go enjoy it with God. Pick a sacrifice. I really think that would make a difference. And the last and most important, number six, is pray. When you open up God's word, beg him to speak to you, to open your eyes and your heart to see what he has already spoken to you so you can receive it, so you can internalize it. And God would love to answer that prayer for you. He loves to answer that prayer. You can jot down this reference, Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, 18. This is one of my favorite prayers to pray before opening God's word. He says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. He knows there are wonderful things in the Bible, but my eyes are often so closed, I just can't see them. The problem's me. God, please change me so I can appreciate, so I can love the treasures you've placed in the Bible. Pray, and if you pray, if you faithfully pray without giving up, God will answer that prayer. Doesn't mean every time you open scripture, it will be a marvelous experience. You might have I hope and pray you have some of those too. But over time, Scripture will become more and more a friend to us. That all starts when we choose to sit regularly with Scripture. But our relationship with the Bible doesn't stop just with sitting with the Bible. Look back at verse 2. I guess flip back to Psalm 1 if you need to. Verse 2, look at the way he describes his friendship with the Bible, the righteous person's friendship with the Bible. On his law, he meditates day and night, not just for 30 minutes in the evening. Day and night, he befriends the Bible. He sits with Scripture to lay that foundation, to soak it up. And then the righteous person, she stands with Scripture. 
by stand with scripture. I'm not referring to like a rigid category that Psalm 1 is presenting to us, just another way of understanding how we can be meditating on scripture day and night. By stand with scripture, I mean filling the natural gaps in our day with thoughts of the Bible. When we find ourselves just standing around with a free moment, free couple minutes, let's turn our heart back to the Bible to take that as an opportunity to deepen our friendship with it. When we're standing on the patio after a service, let's take that minute to ask a friend, what out of God's word spoke to you? We stand with the Bible when we're in line at Vaughn's and we have a few minutes. We think, what did I read this morning? And how does that affect my interaction with my family who I'm about to go home to? We stand with scripture when we're driving in our car on our way to work and we're recalling, man, last night, life group discussion. How does that apply to my day at work today? We bring scripture to our minds so we can meditate on it day and night by filling the natural gaps where we just happen to be standing around with moments of friendship with the Bible. I think this kind of standing with the Bible in the, in the different pockets of our lives is a way to connect what we read when we sit and how we live the rest of our day. It keeps us from being the kind of person James 1 warns us against who hears God's word but doesn't do it, who opens up the perfect law of God and says, whoa, this is beautiful, and then shuts it and forgets about it the rest of the day because we're taking those gaps to stand with the Bible, to bring it back to our minds, to think about how does that actually relate to my day right now? How can God's word be a friend to me in this moment? I remember being inspired by my friend Hudson, who I mentioned earlier. He used to just have a piece of paper in his pocket all the time. He would write down that morning what stood out to him, maybe one verse usually, I think, put that in his pocket, so that any time he found himself standing around with a natural gap, in his day, he could pull that out and let that moment, redeem that moment for friendship with the Bible. The righteous person sets himself up to be influenced, not by bad friends, but by scripture. He does that by standing with it, or first by sitting with it, standing with it, and then by walking with it. I think this is probably the hardest and yet maybe most rewarding kind of interactions with the Bible. By walk with the Bible, I mean having brief thoughts of Scripture scattered all throughout our day in the midst of us doing something else. So maybe your full attention isn't on Scripture, but in the middle of you doing something, the Bible comes briefly to your mind. Maybe this is... Uh, you hear that noise in the back room, in the kids' room, that crashing noise. What did my child break today? And on my way of walking down the halls, I have that brief thought. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. Then I go back to what I'm doing. I take that moment in the midst of doing something else to become or to enjoy friendship with the Bible. Maybe that's right before I go into that high-pressure meeting or that scary conversation. I remind myself of God's promises to always love me, to be there with me, to work all things out for my good. We find opportunities 
to bring God's word to our mind as often as we can, even throughout everything else we're doing. Only then are we actually meditating on God's law day and night, and that's when we get the opportunity, the joy of seeing all of life the way God sees it, because the way God thinks about life and talks about life is communicated to us in scripture, and then we can take that in and see life and think about life and feel about life the same way God does, because the words he's spoken about life, about all the circumstances of our life, are present in our mind no matter what we're doing. Day and night, we get a chance to be friends with the Bible. So we're walking with it. Especially the more we memorize it, the more naturally it will come into our minds. I remember a, a mentor of mine once told me that memorizing Scripture is like giving the Holy Spirit ammo that he can use in the gun of conviction to shoot us right in the moment when we need it. Bam! Take that, Bible verse. Because <laughs> you need it. And maybe it hurts in the moment, but you're thankful for it. Or another image of meditating on Scripture a, pa- a former pastor of mine used was that meditating on Scripture is like having a song stuck in your head. You know, you can, you can focus on something else. You can give your full attention to whatever you're doing, but it just keeps coming up in the back of your mind, keeps coming back. And then we get to experience life with God, living on mission for him because his words are influencing the way we see and do everything. We walk with scripture. So that's God's call for us today is to become friends with the Bible by sitting with it, by standing with it in the gaps by walking with it, no matter what we're doing. So how's your friendship with the Bible? How's your relationship with Scripture right now? Can you think of a time recently where God's Word came into your mind when you were walking, doing something else? Are there gaps in your day where you can look back this last week and say, yeah, that was a gap. I, I won for friendship with the Bible. Are you sitting with the Bible regularly, laying that foundation? And I imagine that, like me, many of us see we have a long way to go in our friendship with the Bible. And I think that leaves us with two things. The first is we get to enjoy forgiveness. This is a moment to look in our lives and say, man, I fall short. I'm not befriending the Bible day and night like I should. Praise God for being gracious. You can take this moment if you want, in this moment right now, to confess to God not befriending the Bible as he calls you to, and enjoy the fact that he still says you're my boy, still says you're my girl, still says I love you and you're pure in my eyes, and you're forgiven. There's so much grace. So when when you experience conviction, that's a moment to experience grace. And also, it's an opportunity, a call for us to repent so that we can enjoy the fruit of obedience. God always is calling us to obey him, to obey his word for the sake of enjoying life the way God would have us, living the the, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So this is a moment where we can say, yes, my friendship with the Bible is not what it should be, but I I can turn from that, make a change in my life, strive toward that with God's help, and know that in the long run, it will produce fruit and it'll be worth it. Which leads us to our second question. Why does God want us to meditate on Scripture? Why does God want us to befriend the Bible day and night? What's the benefit? We see that in verse 3. 
that the benefit, that why God is calling out to us today to make the Bible our friend is because if we do, all of our life will be fruitful and will thrive. Let's see that. Let's see that right here in God's word. Verse three, the person who meditates on the Bible, he or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. When we make the Bible our friend, everything in our life, everything is influenced by God's word in such a way that we get to thrive and prosper in the life that God has called us to. We get to live the way God designed us to, and all the the longings that God has placed in our hearts, we get to experience more and more fruit and thriving and fulfillment in that. Not saying that everything in life always goes perfectly. Of course, we know that. But the more we make the Bible our friend, the more we will experience the fruit that we long for in life. The fruits of the Holy Spirit, the fruits that fulfill the kind of thriving that every, every human being is looking for. That's it's an invitation. It's a call. What, do, what are you longing for? Ask yourself that question. Right? What are we longing for? Are we longing for purpose, for significance? Does life often feel kind of meaningless? Like, what's the point? Day-to-day life feels kind of like, I don't see where the purpose is in my life then God's word is saying, come, you want to thrive? You want to bear the fruit of living a purposeful life? Then come, befriend the Bible. Come, let the Bible show us how God sees our purpose every day. Come, let scripture influence the way we think and act in such a way that we can see this is what God cares about in this moment. This is how I can live to love one another. This is how I can fulfill my purpose of glorifying God because scripture, my friend, is reminding me, this is your purpose today. This is what it's all about. You can let go of those things that leave you empty. You can pursue the purpose, the meaning that God wants to fill your life with. It's scripture that will lead us to that. Do we long for love, for intimacy, for closeness? Do we feel lonely often? The Bible wants to be our friend that whispers into our ear, no matter what we're doing. The words of Isaiah 43, where God says, you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Is that the soundtrack we want in the back of our minds? Do we want to hear Jesus' affectionate words? And it, in his last discussion with his disciples in the upper room in John, where he says of us, I will love him and I will manifest myself to everyone who follows me. Do we want that to be the soundtrack, the song stuck on our head? Won't that change the way we experience relationship with God? Won't that change our experience of intimacy and fulfillment and closeness? If we let the Bible speak the very words of God to us all throughout our day, if we sit with scripture when we're discouraged and soak up the words of the God who loves us so much, hear him say in his own voice what he thinks of us, that already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, that you're chosen and precious before the foundation of the world, These are the promises that have the potential to change all of our life so we can find the fruit of love and joy, intimacy with God that we were made for. And I know this doesn't happen overnight. If we long for a peach with dinner, you don't step outside that morning to the little peach sprout and dump 10 gallons of water on it until it sprouts up to give you a peach in that moment. 
it's not going to work. Because trees take a while to grow, don't they? So maybe we say, yeah, I tried opening God's word to the promises about his love for me, and I just didn't feel it. And I feel, I, I empathize with that. I've been there so many times. But maybe one reason is we're not giving it the time it needs to grow. We're not giving our friendship with scripture the time it needs to become a sweet, close friendship. Because close friendships take time, right? The first time you meet someone, you're probably not going to have your best memory with them. But over time, when you sit with them and stand with them and walk with them, spend all sorts of time making meaningful experiences together, that's when that friendship becomes rich and sweet. That's when our friendship with the Bible will become a treasure that fills us with intimacy, with purpose, Do you long for peace? Does life feel chaotic? Do you feel like you're a tree in the midst of a storm around you? Then come dig your deep. Let's be a church that digs our roots deep by the waters of scripture, by the the water that runs by the tree. And, And this passage has to be God's word. Let's dig our roots deep in the promises that God will never leave us or forsake us. Let's find the scripture that gives us peace and let's meditate on it day and night. Make it our friend so that it becomes a part of us. Let's give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to change our hearts so when we hear Jesus say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, we know the context, we know the, the power of God's word so that it changes us because we've given it the time to, to bring us into the thriving, the life of peace that we long for. Do you long for adventure? Does life feel boring? Then come, let's, let's let scripture be our friend that teaches us to see the thrill of life that God's put all around us. Let's befriend Jesus' radical statements where he says to take crazy risks for the kingdom of God. And let's embrace that as an opportunity to enjoy event, adventure with God. And that's only going to happen if we're letting scripture become the, the soundtrack in our mind for sitting with scripture and letting it become our friend that teaches us how to take risks for God, how to adventure with Jesus. Let's let scripture shine light on the treasures that God has put all around us, on the glory of God, on the fact that he's coming at any moment to take us back to an eternal inheritance. Let's meditate on those things until they become precious to us and bring the sense of adventure that we long for, right? You know, what what is it that your heart longs for in life? I think God put those desires in our hearts to be something that will move us to God because he longs to be the one who f- will fulfill those desires. And his invitation today is if you want those desires filled in God, then come make God's very word your friend that you sit with, that you stand with, that you walk with. That's coloring all of your life. And as we befriend scripture, that's where our lives will bear more fruit. Let's hear God's call for us today to make the Bible our friend, to carve out time, even sacrifice, with others in community, to sit regularly with Scripture, to lay that foundation. And then when we've sat with Scripture, let's bring that Scripture back to our minds in the gaps we find where we're just standing around. If we look for those gaps, we'll find more than we expect, I imagine. And let's let Scripture be the soundtrack in our mind Let's give the Holy Spirit ammo that he can convict us and encourage us and inspire us in the moment, no matter what we're doing, when we're walking through all of life. That's how God's word is telling us we can dig roots deep 
so that we can be a tree that thrives and bears all the kinds of fruit that our hearts long for. So you long in for encouragement, for joy, for peace, for love, for strength and wisdom. If you're longing for these things, God's invitation is, I long to give you those things. Now come, befriend my word. Make it the foundation of your life. Scatter my word throughout all of life. And I will make you grow into a tree that produces all kinds of fruits. That, look at, that prospers in all that we do. In all that we do. And let's not be deceived. That'll take time and work and effort. But let's be hopeful because God wants to show up and move us to make Scripture one of our dearest, closest friends that we just love. So let's make the Bible our friend. Let's ask God in this moment that he gives us the strength we need, which we know is part of God's will, to do that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, God, that you will strengthen us as we seek and ask for help to sit regularly with Scripture, to stand with Scripture, to walk with it. Help us to do that alone and help us to do that in community as a church, to encourage one another, to find friends, to be reading your word with God. Help us. Help us to follow through and make that a habit, even when it feels boring in the moment, even when we don't see the fruit because it's winter and not springtime yet in our relationship with your word. Help us, God. We long to make your word our friend. Yeah, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.